0: welcome to the fantasy sports collective podcast excited to be back fantasy musings on week seven actually week six games week seven the previews so i'm going to get into just a couple random topics and then this week i'm going to talk about players i think really players at the top of the food chain on the fantasy side are going to continue to either outperform where they've been break out as you want who guys i see is falling back to the pack so i'll go player by player quarterback running back wide receiver and tight ends i'm not doing kickers <clears throat> happy to talk about kickers we'll I'll get to that on the top so let's whip it on the on the other side <laughs> this is america don't get you slipping now don't get you slipping now look what i'm whipping up okay no more unbeaten we've got zero unbeaten teams through six weeks of the NFL season which I don't I didn't look this up so I don't know how common that is it feels pretty early to not have an undefeated team maybe it's a sign of the parody in the league I don't know but what I do want to kick off this week on is this diatribe of the value of a kicker and I I want to openly question my hometown 49ers who's my team why they would ever, expend a draft pick on a kicker. And let me just put this out there. Every team should not spend a draft pick on a kicker. So let me present the basic case here. Since 19 or since 2003, here the kickers have been drafted with a first or second day draft pick. That's first through third rounds for those of you who are scoring at home. Mike Nugent with a second rounder overall in 2005. Robert Aguaye was a second rounder in 2016. Nate Keating who actually went on to have a decent... Nugent and Kading have a decent careers, but not amazing. Nate Kading was a third-rounder in 2004, and now Jake Moody was a third-rounder in 2023. Again, Nugent was decent. Kading had a solid career. But if you look at the best kickers during this period, it's Steven Guskowski, who was drafted in the fourth round in 2006. Mason Crosby is a sixth-rounder in 07. Justin Tucker, who was undrafted, in 2012, who went on to win the Super Bowl, being a key member of that team in 2012 as a rookie. Matt Prater was undrafted in 07. Robert G- Robbie Gold was undrafted in 05, among others. Look, my point is pretty straightforward, and I don't want to belabor this. The best kickers are either late round or undrafted guys. The best of this era were undrafted. I think you can go further back, by the way. I, I can only find a few guys or even like high draft picks that were good. So Sebastian Janikowski, although again, he had some up and down years, but I'll give him credit. He was a great kicker. He was a first round pick. You got to go back to a punter. I think the only punter drafted in the first round was a guy. And he's, I think he might not be a hall of famer, but he should be a hall of famer. If punters were allowed the hall of fame, he'd be a hall of famer. It just doesn't pay to take kickers with wasted a, a high pick on these guys. And why do I bring this up? Because the 49ers spent a third round pick on Jake Moody. Guy was abysmal in the preseason. He hadn't missed a kick up to this week, but then he missed a 54 yarder, which granted that's a tough kick earlier in the game. And then shanked a 41 yarder right down the middle. They'd set it up perfectly right down the middle for him. Easy kick and he shanked it. So he's now lost the team a game and they used a premium pick on the position. I just don't, it doesn't make sense why anyone would ever do that. Look, it was a team loss, not blaming on Moody, but he definitely deserves credit for this. Losses happens, but I just I hope teams don't overdraft kickers. Pay the guys that perform. The guys like Justin Tucker, they deserve three, four, five million a year in this day and age because they're consistent. They can win you games. But why you would use a, a top pick on on a kicker just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, I talked about, I'll get to the players in a second. I want to. It's a couple of points to make. Injury tracker. Tough week on the injury side. Um, not as bad as pre- previous weeks, but we still don't have clarity on Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's a Monday night start, so who knows? Um, it doesn't look like anything serious, but he's got both an oblique and a ribs issue. I would probably avoid starting him if you can, if you've got the depth, if you can't. He's such a good player. Justin Fields is questionable with a right hand injury. David Montgomery looks like he's probably out with a ribs injury. You never know. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's probably going to go Thursday, but he's got a knee issue, swelling. He got a limited practice in today. Because it's Thursday, we'll know shortly. Debo Samuel's got a shoulder injury. My guess is he gets held out, especially with the, the bye coming up and then Minnesota on Monday. That's a game they can win without him jimmy garoppolo has been knocked out of two games already this year had to go to the hospital this one with a back injury does not look good but maybe he plays kyron williams and his backup ronnie rivers appear look likely out ronnie rivers has a pcl injury so he's out four plus weeks kyron williams who's been one of the surprises top top five fantasy backs so far this year looks like he will miss and looks like rookie zach evans is probably going to get the lion's of that carries and they've elevated royce freeman to be on the active roster or to at least be on the roster. And they re-signed Daryl Henderson, who's been away from the team for more than a year, but he's familiar with the system. So he's likely going to get in there. So anyhow, that's that. I also want to point out, I saw this tweet, which I'll, I'll post on the Fantasy Sports Collective, of the 2017 Alabama Crimson Tide roster. This team, just want to call this out, this team is probably better than many NFL teams right now. Their quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts, Tua Viola, and Mac Jones. Say what you want about Mac Jones, but he'd be your third teamer. Running backs, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Damian Harris. That's deep, deep. Say what you want about Najee. but You got Josh Jacobs, you got Grinder, Brian Robinson. Receivers, you got Devontae Smith, you got Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, and then Henry Ruggs, who unfortunately career was cut short for off the field stupidity. Sorry to hear that. Tight ends, Err Smith Jr. I believe they had another guy in here that's not listed, but good guys. And then the line, you've got three NFL linemen, Bradley Bozeman, Jonah Williams, and Dredrick Willis, all playing active. D-line, Darren Payne, Quinnen Williams, Rakan Davis. Um... DB's Tre- Trevon Diggs, Minka Fitzpatrick Xavier McKinney Levi Wallace this is this is a deep team by the way and those are just guys in the NFL making a difference you got a bunch of all pros there a bunch of really productive players overall so thought that was a fascinating look ironically by the way that was not a good Alabama team they lost to Auburn that year I did not win the title they were a good team but just not one of the Saban's best okay what else Let's give another shout out to the Dolphins. We knew they had a good offense. They they showed signs of being dynamic and explosive last year and put up big numbers, particularly in the passing game, supporting two top receivers. And Tua, when he was healthy, was just was lights out. But this year, they're like making fantasy dreams come true. They've got two RB1s. Now, granted, Devin A-Chain's out, but Mostert's incredible. They got the Cheetah, who's having his number one fantasy wide receiver and just putting up Unicorn performance after unicorn performance. And now they've got Waddle, who's hel- who's very productive when healthy. So really insane. Five top flight fantasy starters when healthy every week. And these aren't just, hey, okay, I like to start them. These are like, you got to start these guys. A-chain, Mostert, two Waddle, and obviously Cheetah, a.k.a. Tyreek Hill. Awesome stuff. And then just double click on Raheem Mostert. He scored 11 TDs through six weeks, which is the fourth best ever. So really good stuff. He looks like he's going to be in. He's in my list of of people who continue to ascend. He looks like somebody who's going to have a great year. One other story I just want to touch on, I thought was fascinating, is this notion of players trying to negotiate, particularly quarterbacks. I think that the, the report was Aaron Rodgers was negotiating for equity when he renegotiated his deal with the Jets. And now there's a report out that Caleb Williams won't declare for the NFL draft if the number one team overall Selecting won't provide him equity in his deal with the team. NFL has already come out and said that's illegal and they can't do it. Although there's also been said that there's nothing written in the collective bargaining agreement that teams couldn't do this. seems like collusion, not shocking among this billionaire class of NFL owners, but nonetheless, pretty interesting fodder. I think we're getting more and more coming out about Caleb Williams kind of being very picky on whether he even comes out this year. Apparently, he, he comes from a fairly successful family. His, his parents have done very well, I think, in commercial real estate development is what I, if I recall reading. So he doesn't need the money and he's being well-educated on what he should be looking for. So anyhow, interesting to note. Okay, last segment, what players are poised to underperform the rest of the year? These are guys who, have most, for the most part, have all performed really well. In fact, every one of these guys is a top 10-ish Derek Henry's unless he's number 11, but pretty much top 10-ish guys who I do not think will consistently be in top 10 performers. And then I've got a list of who I continue to perform well or will break out. Guys that are probably under the most of these are guys that are performing pretty well to great, but who's going to step up. So I'm going to start with the underperformers to get those out of the way. First is Kirk Cousins, number four overall fantasy quarterbacks, scored 111 points. I like Cousins, especially after the quarterback show last year. He's got grit. Moxie, but let's be honest: losing Justin Jefferson for the foreseeable future does not help. And the Vikings look like they're going to try to get more balance to grind out wins. So I think Cousins is still valuable QB two, but he's not going to continue to be a top ten quarterback week in and week out. He'll have his weeks definitely, still a good quarterback. But if you're looking to, if you can find a package where you can get trade him in something, maybe lock in a Behomes or a Josh Allen or someone who's definitely going to be there, I would do that in a heartbeat. Next is, look, Captain Obvious. It's running back Zach Moss. He's the number six overall fantasy running back so far. Scored has got 100 points on the nose. This one's obvious, but I still want to call it out because he's been special and he continued to be a fantasy starter and relevant in Jonathan Taylor's two weeks back. So will Moss be completely off the radar? Probably not, but my guess is he's more in the top He's somewhere in between 25 and 40 in terms of rankings at running back. So he's more of a flex guy. Might have a week here or there, but Taylor's going to increasingly take more and more of the touches so, or the carries. Next, wide receiver Puka Nakua. Again, file this one under maybe obvious, but Nakua isn't a drop, I'd say. But Cup, you'll hear on the other list, he's just a featured, heavily targeted option in this offense. Stafford loves him, looks for him all the time. Nakua is at best a secondary option. So he's still worth a flex start, but he's not an every week starter in the second half. I skipped over Henry, by the way. Derek Henry's on this list, number 11, 83 points. Henry's still good, but he's no longer elite. You can see that in his breakaway. He broke away the other day through the pack, and he was caught from behind pretty easily. That did not happen. Maybe even last year didn't happen. So he doesn't have that breakaway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score once every two weeks on a 50-plus yarder, and I might have a blow-up week where I have two 50-plus yard touchdown runs and I run for 250 yards. That's just not him anymore. So on top of that, this team is not going anywhere, and my guess is they're going to continue to give more and more touches to Tajay Spears, who looks pretty dynamic. is the rookie out of Tulane. So... The other thing is if Henry is dealt, which there's rumors he could be dealt since he's at the last year of his contract and there's some teams out there like a Baltimore who could use him, I might remove him from this list because I think if he ends up at a place like Baltimore or potentially like a, I'm trying to think of another good team that needs a running back, they're running back desperate and they run an offense that fits Henry. That's the one thing with Henry. He's pretty unique he can't just go into any offense. Philadelphia is not going to take him and he's just not going to play in that kind of option type of system. He really needs a Baltimore type of running game. Maybe Pittsburgh. I just don't see Pittsburgh trading for him. So anyhow, I've got him on this list. I still like him, but I think the Titans are going to prepare for life after King Henry. So be prepared for that. Next is wide receiver, DJ Moore. Number three overall, he's got 110 points. I've always rooted for more. I really like him. I hope I'm wrong about this, but if you look at how he scored today, it's a bit fluky. He had fifty something points in one game, scored in the high thirties in another game, and he's been relatively, relatively disappointing in, in the the other three starts. I just don't think he's a top five or even ten receiver. I'm predicting he'll be sub top twenty for the rest of the half, the second half of the year. And therefore I wouldn't necessarily dump. I'm not going to dump him, but if you can package him with something for an elite player who's going to consistently put up numbers. I would. <clears throat> and last on this list is tight end Sam Laporta. He's the number two tight end scored 70 points. Basically tied for Kelsey is at number one. I love the player. He's going to be a great fantasy tight end, but really 2024 and beyond. And why? Cause it, what look eventually defenses are going to catch up to him. The Lions just got Jameson Williams back. They're going to be a little bit more spread the ball. And look, the marathon of NFL season catches up to rookies. That's why rookie tight ends they have a lot to do in terms of blocking, different schemes. He's going to slow down. So, do I love him? Yes. If you're in a seasonal redraft league, which most of you are, look to parlay him into a Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. You're going to have to give up something else too. But someone who is those guys are money in the bank. So, that's my take on them. Okay. On the list of who are poised to continue to perform and break out, first, I'll start off with the quarterbacks. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. He's number 15 right now. He scored 83 points. It's a little bit of a bold projection based on, and the the is based on Lawrence's talent, his surrounding cast, how he performed last year in this in the same system. His schedule lightens up in the second half. The only thing to be aware of is he's got a hurt knee. He may miss weight six. We'll know on Thursday. But I like him with his surrounding cast. He's got a better cast than he had last year. I they just haven't clicked. There's something they're just not quite, they're not getting in their shootouts. They're not scoring the 30 plus points, which I think they're very much capable of doing. I think he'll start, he'll get into a rhythm. I think he's going to be a top 10 kind of QB one productive quarterback. And if you can get him as your in a super flex league, for example, as your number two, you're in really good shape. Next is a kind of like low-end QB2 for Superflex Leagues or a spot starter. It's Gardner Minshew, the Colts. He's currently number 33 quarterback at 35 points. He's had two starts. He's the guy for the rest of the year now with Anthony Richardson out. Look, he's not a guy I recommend. Go out and get him and become your core starter. But he's a gunslinger. He's got a good balanced offense, awesome offensive line, which is one of the reasons why Zach Moss is having a career year and why Jonathan Taylor is so well thought of. But Minshew's not going to be a QB one. He's just more of a, a good, solid QB two starter for the rest of the year. Next, get to the running backs. First and foremost, Raheem Mostert. He, you hear me talk about him a lot on this pod. He's number two scoring player right now with 135, It's scoring running back with 135 points. He's a perfect fit for this Miami offense, obviously he fits it given he came from San Francisco under the offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach, Mike McDaniel, and he's looked great when he's played. Even last year when he played, he was good. And look, it's his starting job alone for the next three weeks while A-Chain's out on IR, barring an injury, which is a real concern for Mostert, he's primed to have his career season. Look, he's all, from a touchdown standpoint, he's already had it. But I think ride him while you can. I I see him continue to put up huge numbers. Miami's explosive. They got really good chemistry. They're deep. I like him, again, barring injury. Next, running back, Travis Etne, or ETN, however you like to pronounce it. He's number four guy. Surprised me, scored 109 points. I loved him in college. I had him on my college fantasy league for three straight years. I thought he looked a little too small last year. And then drafting a tank Bigsby, I was never a, th- a thought that Bigsby was going to get 50 plus percent of the carries or any of that stuff, but I thought he would steal some goal line work and ultimately take away some touches and Edney would be more of the change of pace, third down, two minute guy, but that's not been the case. And actually he bulked up. He looks stronger. He's running three people, still making people miss. He's had an awesome start to the year. Quite frankly, he's benefiting, I think, from some of the chaos and grinded out that the, the Jags are forced to do so far early in the season. But I think he's poised to continue to be an RB1. I think Jags are going to pick it up. Obviously, I've got three Jags on this list, one of them to come. I'm big on the Jags second half. I'm putting a stake in the ground on that one. Next, running back Isaiah Pacheco. He's number two running back, scored 82 points. Uh, look, the Chiefs are increasingly relying on Pache- Pacheco as their primary back. They're also throwing to him a bit in screens. I think last game he had six catches for high 30s and maybe 46 yards. He's getting targets, which is great. He had a little bit of a slow start. He was getting carries, but wasn't a featured guy. But the last few weeks, he's been very productive. And once Casey gets on a roll offensively, which they're going to do, Jaco, I believe, will surprise as an RB1 down the stretch. As it is, he's a borderline almost there at number 12. And that's in a situation where he just started to get rolling the last two weeks. And you can see they're gaining confidence in him as this kind of their main guy. And you've got McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as like backup, change of pace guys. But they're getting increasingly less and less touches. And Pacheco's getting the lion's share of the snap. Like him a lot. I think he's a little bit under the radar, so I'd go get him. Good. Getting to the wide receivers here. Adam Thielen, he's number seven wide receiver so far with 102 points. As If you listen to this podcast, I'm a the podcast, I'm on the Thielen bandwagon. I liked him in Carolina. He's a security blanket. And what what I've noticed, if you look at the film, he's playing a ton from the slot which gives him a little bit more free releases and that gives him that security blanket role that, that, that Bryce Young needs so, so desperately as he's trying to figure it out and move the change guy. Will he continue to play like this for the rest of the year at 33? I think he will. So I, I'm pro. I think he's going to continue to outperform this. Great. Frankly, I don't think people have caught on to the fact that he's so productive because he's playing in Carolina. People aren't really paying attention. I like him as a pickup cheap guy still and and he'll continue to perform next is wide receiver CD lamb he's a number 13 fantasy wide receiver scored 74 points so far note by the way these points are all half PPR league so lamb is talented Cowboys are figuring it out figuring out new ways to get him the ball it feels like the Cowboy offense has been going through this transition they have not really looked great all season Yes, they put up big numbers that week one against the Giants, but they had two defensive scores, created a bunch of turnovers, so they had short field, so they weren't putting up a lot of yards and didn't have a great offensive performance. And then they had a decent week, I think the in week three as well, scored, uh, in terms of points scored. But Pollard's been the big recipient of that. This past week was the first week on Monday night where you saw Lamb really be featured and become a big part of the offense. Again, he's getting targets, but... He's not getting the, the high leverage targets, not scoring the touchdowns. I think that's going to change in the second and a half of the year. And I'd expect Lamb to put up top 10 numbers. Next is wide receiver Cooper Cup. This one's an easy one. Again, Captain Obvious. He's number 35 right now with 40 points scored. Obviously, he missed the first the majority of the first uh, six weeks, first four weeks. But he's cup's security blanket. Or sorry, he's Stafford's security blanket. And look, he's gonna be the top. Two or three performer, as long as he's healthy from here on out. You know, if you've got him, you're excited that you weathered the storm and he's gonna be there. If you can get him cheap, go do it. And then my tight end in the this list is uh, another Jag. It's Evan Ingram. He's number eight right now, scored 48 points. Again, this is a play on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Ingram's got talent. He's one of Lawrence's security blankets. He likes to throw them a ton, um, a lot of targets. I think he's tied, for, tied just slightly behind number two targets in the Jags. And as they start to roll, Ingram's going to benefit. Ingram's going to be a top three or four tight end, or top five tight end without a doubt in terms of targets, catches, yards. And I think TDs will be there. So he's a guy I would target as someone who's going to be a top five guy going forward. And you can probably get them cheap in your leagues. Okay. On that note, appreciate you all listening. Hope you have an awesome day. Great week ahead. Very excited for week seven, the NFL schedule. Continue to see some of that parody way out. We're going to see that the contenders continue to to develop and move away and the pretenders fall back. On that note, have a great one. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you (laughs) up. I said up.